So welcome to the happiest podcast in the world. I'm Hewins. And I'm Sun. I guess my first question is, why are we here? We are starting a journey together and into filmmaking, pursuing our passion of filmmaking. More of an official start. I mean, the journey has been going on for a long time. No doubt, no doubt. And this is the really official documentation of really recognizing the journey. Right. And um, that we're actually going to be a father and son duo that is I th- we've always been a father and son duo but you know to actually <laughs> most of the time put the amp- ampersand in there is that has never really been done before and i can't think of many uh father and son duos in cinema history specifically but i think that the thing that really allows this to to happen is our fortunate close relationship and uh, I think that's also a huge reason why we shed the podcast. I don't know many other podcasters that are any people in any careers that are, have such a close, have created such a close relationship with their children uh, enough to have them involved in their career. Right. People well, talk I, highly of their children, but I, I've never seen them actually. So let's let's just let's just talk a little bit more about that. How this came to be, because. Um, you kind of were inspired by some things that I had done in my past, yes. which I can just go ahead and tell you about. Um, I wrote and directed uh, an independent feature film back in 1989, all right, and pursued filmmaking for a while. Um, life led me on a journey. I pursued um, a career in music for a while, and then decided to pursue a career in family, and that's where you came in. Yes. Um, along the way, I, I still had my passion, but um, was more of, you know, doing things close to home. Uh, not really in filmmaking, but uh, we we made a video. Uh, I, I guess you had seen me messing around with video cameras and mm-hmm. Super 8 film cameras and stuff, and... Uh, you wanted to make a video, so we made a little video in the backyard, and uh, one thing led to another. Uh, you got into Lego. You got into making videos uh, around Lego products, and I joined in and helped because I enjoy making videos. Uh, I had a job marketing for an independent school, and I made videos there, so all along you saw this, and uh, I guess you kind of took off on your own. You started editing things on your own. Moving into middle and high school, you kind of started playing around with different, other other than Lego, different types of uh, videos that you made and went on to high school and got into some video making classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as it had, you uh, graduated high school and got a job, uh, an internship in Atlanta, Georgia with Turner Broadcast, which is now Warner Media, specifically uh, Adult Swim. Adult Swim, and you were off and running, and then decided that you wanted to move to Atlanta. And let's just go ahead and say we are here in Atlanta now. We are here in Atlanta. We together. I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where Jackson I grew up. Grew up where we most of the videos were made. Exactly. Shot, edited, thought up. Right. 
And so uh, there I was, uh, mid-career, mid-life, and uh, going down that path. And, and you inspired me. I was like, look at, look at my kid going off and getting it done. And so the passion kind of flamed in my heart again. And I was like, I'm not going to let him outdo me. I'm going to have to get down there and do something. So I had friends here in Atlanta and decided that uh, I was going to quit my very nice job that I had in the middle of a pandemic and just move to another state and start pursuing it. And you decided to, to move in with me. Uh, and we said, let's, let's make a podcast about this thing. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of different. So hopefully people will find that interesting and we'll share some knowledge, uh, as I reacquaint myself with filmmaking and you launch into your career of filmmaking and hopefully I can ride your coattails. Here they are. There you go. You can Is have there enough room on there for right me? now. All right. We both have coattails today. We do. And I think, I don't really think that it will ever be you riding my coattails or me riding your coattails because I think a very fortunate thing that we have come across is that we both have a perpetual, we have a perpetual inspiration going where you have inspired me from the very beginning and are continuing to inspire me and I mean, I trust that you're telling the truth and you're saying that I've inspired you. No doubt. So, uh, it's perpetual now. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of unfair to the competition if there is any competition. <laughs> Cause when I get low, you can pump me up. And then when you get low, I pump you up. Right. And it's good to have a, it's good to have a friend like that. Well, you've, you've, first of all, you were the one who put me on to positivity. I, I would say, well, you've, you've given me a lot of the sources that, or I still am going back to Les right. Brown. You won't hear enough about him out of us. That's um, true. And now that I can remind you, hey, well, go back and read this Les Brown page, <laughs> even though you've already read it, but that's yeah. the best best part about no, it. No, that's awesome. I, I want you to bust me if I ever, you know, stray off the path. It's good. It's good to have somebody to, to keep that, keep you in line. Go, hey, man, you said you were going to do it, and I do it. And we we also have, uh, I mean, I, I trust you when you say that you're inspired by me. We have, it's true. We no, have I, a, I a kind mind. of trust that is, I, I I don't know that I've ever had between anybody else. So that's and the thing is, you've had my whole lifetime, my entire lifetime to build. And my, I mean, I haven't known you your entire lifetime, but in the entire time that I've known you in my life, you know, it <laughs> yeah. has been the trust has been building and building and building. It's important. It's important. This is the most so. trustworthy podcast between the two hosts. True. <laughs> True. I, I can't tell you what tactics we will use, but trust when, me. when Joe Rogan has another guy on there, I mean, I, I don't even know if I can trust Joe Rogan to begin with. So where's the, tr the trust is between us is insane. So that's good. No, that's great. And imp important. And when we get into some of the tales of what you have done with your feature film, we'll learn that it's... That is quite a str uh, good skill to have on your side uh, to trust the people who you're heavily involved with on your no project. Doubt. No doubt, no doubt. So you look at you look at some other close teams, like we just watched an interview with the Cohen brothers yes. the other night. And so you know, as brothers, they probably have some good bonds and trust between them. 
so they know that on the set they've got each other's back and that's really good because you know it can be a cutthroat business no mm-hmm. doubt uh, and you get on a set and you don't know what people's ulterior motives are yes. and then um, you know hopefully with you and I we stay open and honest and trustworthy and I won't be trying to scam you out of anything or, you know, I mean, you'll probably, (laughs) if I try to spend all the budget on Twinkies or something, you'll catch me before, you know, I'll confess to it and get you your money back. You know, I won't just leave you. Or give me a Twinkie (laughs) or two, you know. And the other thing is keeping each other in check um, where we won't, I think the Coen brothers at least have this, I don't know, maybe at this point they are both very aware of their style or, but you could, you have more of a, a balance of, of checks and balances, I, I guess, that you'd be like, you can call me out on a creative decision, and I can call you out on a creative decision. Right, without getting so offended that you mm-hmm. just fire me or run No, and I just, I can value your opinion more. I can, I know who it's coming from. So criticism, we're both good with that. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about why a podcast uh, I know for me, um, part of the thing that uh, you and I share is a love for story. Yes. And uh, as we dive back in, or I dive back into filmmaking and you start in, on your journey, that we want to hone our craft as much as possible to be the best storytellers with uh, the projects that we want to build. And so my thought was if we do a podcast and you know the main goal was to um, talk about story, understand story, share story with people, um, educate people on story. Well, to educate somebody, you have to know it yourself. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I'm, I don't have it all down. Um, I know I love good story. I know a good story when I hear it. And, uh, I I feel like I've written a couple of good stories, but I want to be able to have more of a command. So my thought was, let's just, delve into story and uh you know maybe a hundred podcast in we might know a few things uh to help us out in making a new story i i think the pursuit of story is just as commendable as knowing story very well well sure so i yeah i think that we're both we've you have raised me telling me uh story 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 and (laughs) but you really mean it and a lot of people um they really they they say that a lot but they don't follow through with the actions required and um, well because it's hard i think it's really difficult to tell a good good story it's super easy and especially nowadays and we talk about this all the time how easy it is to get a camera that looks like Hollywood, you know, whether it's straight out of the box or you're, you know, using a LUD or, or whatever. Uh, and so many people are interested in that look and that look and the look, uh, special effects, CGI, green screen. I mean, it's just so easy to build worlds that are, you know, beyond fantasy, uh, in a green room. And, you know, but it, it's hard to tell a great story that inspires people that hooks you in, that makes you love the, the protagonist. And, you know, so I think people have forgotten about it. It's kind of a lost art. Uh, well, especially in filmmaking. Especially in filmmaking. Uh, 
And, and I think, you know, people don't read as much anymore. There's so much social media, so much time online and, you know, just look it up on, you know, the search engine and, and figure it out that way instead of uh, getting in there and reading all the classics and, and understanding how these authors, right. uh, you know, weave a story and what the different aspects are. And that's what we're going to get into on this podcast or all those things. Yeah, and even just you know, saying, comparing it to searching things up, or and I probably before I actually fell in love with books and reading, I would have said, "Oh, well, you know, it's more efficient. You can streamline your, you know, access works quicker and easier online, uh, and you don't need all of this information, and it's all stored in one place." But the thing is, there is a tradition with like it's almost like we have evolved with books like humans and reading is it is a human like a good human experience and it is feels like you get more in touch with life and i have never felt anything like that um browsing the web the web has been a tool it's helped me but i i've never used a tool or a hammer and been like oh my goodness this is this is something extraordinary. This is something next level. And, uh, you know, books, actually reading books. There's something, there's something different for me anyway. I know holding a book in my hand, the pages, the print, uh, and just losing yourself in a story, you know, in these words, your mind deciphering words, words that you haven't heard before. I know you just purchased a dictionary to go alongside yes. your books so you can look words up that you don't, know right off the, the top of your head and uh, help to expand your vac- vocabulary. But Let me say there's a lot more temptations for filmmakers if you, if you have a multifaceted filmmaking passion. And I know that there's a lot of people who get into filmmaking, and I love this love in filmmaking, that there's a love for so many of the elements. Right. And so many people... You know, you'll ask them. There's, I don't think there's many people in a one department that have always stayed in that one department. And often people get into the film industry and end up in a totally different department than they thought they would be in. And I think that's really great. But if you're wanting to be a writer and director, that that combo is two very different. Writing and directing are two very different skill sets, as far as I'm concerned right now. If I learn different, I will update it on podcast 100 when we totally figure out story but i there's a lot of temptations and uh, i'll tell you, you know the temptations are, are the thinking about the style and the beautiful shots but and you should but to think about those before you've realized your story and before you've realized the writing and that's the thing that you can get really carried away with and a novelist, somebody who's just sitting down to write a novel. Sorry, just sitting down. I made it sound like it's such a simple thing. It's not, and that's what I, I'm really figuring out. But when you sit down to write a novel or stand up, however you do it, it is a little bit more straightforward. Well, it's you're not going to have to. You're probably not going to be thinking too much about the cover or anything outside of the what's in the the pages where if you're if your mind is on writing and directing then you're going to be thinking about camera stuff is in your head camera angles are in your head lighting is in your head 
editing it may, may be in your head. Well, and it, I mean, it's all important, I think. But it, uh, and to it, figure and out how to like switch the channels on and off at the the right the right times, or to use them all synchronizing, you know, maybe it would be good if you're going to write your films to to have editing in mind. But with what I've had experience in, since I am not super honed in on story and writing, is that you can think too much about an editing technique, and then you end up getting writing something way more with editing in mind or way more with doing some certain filmmaking technique in mind than a, a story technique. Well, you know, if we use an analogy, which is a, a literary device, uh, you know, story is, is the foundation. Mm. And if you start building, you know, a house on top of a, a weak foundation, you know, it's going to fall over before you get the roof on it. So, you know... There's the window dressings, there's the paint, there's the interior design. There's so many different aspects, like you're saying, in a film, in a movie. But in order to get the best product at the end, you've got to start with a strong foundation. You can't, you, know, you can't shoot a film and then go back and edit the script, the screenplay, the story. It's just not going to work. Now, you know, shots, sure, if you have a bad shot, you can use some editing in a different angle or something to cover it up. But... Uh, you're not gonna. You're not gonna gloss over a bad story. And if you love all of these aspects, which a lot of people do, I love all these aspects. Uh, uh, so many different aspects within filmmaking. You can still have a incredibly fun experience making it, even sure. if the story was bad. So that's yeah. also another thing. You've got to be super self-aware because you can go through the entire process and say, well. How could it be a bad film? We did. We had so much fun. That's right. We did everything. We did everything right. It's got the latest, greatest camera. Yes. You know, you have all the lights in the world, the best actors, the, the most awesome locations, the best editor, the best score, and all that. And it and it's wonderful and it's fun and it's beautiful. But uh, I mean, this is just for me, and I think for you, I speak for you as well. We just want, if we're going to make a film, we want the strongest story possible, and so. That's what this journey is about for us to learn mm -hmm. as much about story as we can. Yeah, I mean, we're not claiming that that the key to like every, it isn't cinema. We're not saying some sort of definition like it isn't a movie. It isn't cinema if you don't prioritize story. You might make the best movie of all time and not prioritize story. Sure. But for us, the way that we want to approach it. And if this changes, this is why we have the podcast so we can document. Okay, between episode one and two. Wait, the first episode we were talking about the story, and then the second episode, now we're saying that story is terrible. Yeah, it's all about the aspect yeah. ratio of the, <laughs> the the camera. That's it. But likely, uh, this you've been preaching story all my life, so I don't think it's going to change by the next episode. I hope right now. I hope it doesn't, um, unless I really that really appeals to me. I think that'll make a better movie. But we want to make movies that tell incredible stories and really i think the way that you've raised me is that we storytelling is maybe the main thing in our uh genetics or that is wanting to be done at least for me i if if cinema wasn't a thing we would be i would like to think that we would be doing whatever the the other thing is playwriting or i, I don't know well i mean true we've both written children's books haven't we Yes, and that was very on, early on in, in my process. Right. Um, you, you know, I, I've, 
I, and I have been in a band. I've written songs, and a lot of my songs have a, a story to it. The band may have, you know, had a theme, a story to it. Uh, so story has, has been a major part for me in, in many of my endeavors. Uh, I do enjoy the, you know, the, the building, the production part, whether it is a band, a, a book, a building a house, um, you know, training somebody, whatever it is, it's, it's that seed of an idea through to completion. But once again, for me, if it's not a great story, uh, you know, I, w- I want to try to make the best story every time I make a film. And I would like to, well, my favorite films have great stories. I, there's not a film, there's not a film that is uh, a favorite of mine that is bereft of story. So I just want more with, with story. And that's all I think. And I think story is the thing that is, and you will read this in any story books. It's talked about in story by Robert McKee. It's talked about in save the cat, which is a, um, a very smaller book and probably more accessible. Uh, it's like, watered down McKee. It's way, it's way more understand. I'm sure that author appreciates that. Well, I, I think it's still great. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Distilled. Distilled. Yeah. Which you can have distilled water, so watered down, whatever. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's called Save the Cat. It's, I would still recommend it. Um, Robert McKee is more scholarly and, you know, he's probably the guy wearing the suit. Right. Um, so you'll probably see that in these books that they prove that story is, has a prime, it goes back to way far back. We have like a primal connection with it. And I think that's a, a big thing too, is that story is, it is something else. It, it has this connection that I've had since falling in love with books that I don't get with other forms of of entertainment that I don't get from just mindlessly scrolling through YouTube or whatever, or any sort of video content that isn't carefully crafted. Right. Like it, it does tap into being human. It helps us. It, it helps us live. It's, you know, people open themselves up to a movie scram. I don't need to tell you how crazy, if you just think about how, weird the idea of going and sitting down in a movie theater and that whole experience and what is actually happening and how people come out crying. I worked at a movie theater once. I think you've also worked at a movie theater and I have witnessed multiple people coming out of the theater crying. They went in happy. They bought tickets. They went in there knowingly. They, they wanted this experience. It is not, I do not view it. I don't view story as an escape. I don't view it as entertainment. This is good storytelling. There can be TV shows that are entertainment, and usually those to me are, or there can be movies that are entertainment, and usually those to me are the ones that are lacking story. I think if it if it has a good story, you can't help your human heart and mind and soul to connect with it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's entertainment, but it's just there's a deeper connection, uh, a longer-lasting impression. And books, I think, are almost a step. This could be different for certain people. For me, 
right now I feel like books go just a little bit deeper than certain films. We should we should talk about that, you know, because I, I know that we had said we have a list here of mm-hmm. ideas for the podcast, and uh, I'm sure we're going to go over books to movies. Uh, you know, yes. that's something we've talked about. What what's your favorite book to movie combination where the book is just as good as the movie? And then we can talk about ones where it failed. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked the other day about you know uh, movies to books. That's a rarity. But, you know, what what the difference is between a book and a movie and why, you know, of course, one is visual and oral and, uh, you know, is shorter. You know, a movie is much shorter than a book. I mean, it's, you know, if you're reading a, a good-sized book, it's going to take you, you know, days to read it, not just sitting for two hours unless you're a speed reader. Um, well, so, but I've even heard from speed readers. I, I've watched videos about speed readers, and I know, like, one of the guys with the biggest records, he says that when he reads for enjoyment, he doesn't do his speed reading methods. Hmm. So even people who can read fast, I think, still would spend a longer amount of time. You know, they're not just cramming it all right in their head. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's worth discussing. What's you know, what's the difference? Uh, and so that that makes me think about our our book list. So like we said, we are trying to figure out story, trying to educate ourselves to be the best storytellers that we can be. And one of the ideas, and you know, some of our heroes have suggested this, is to make sure that you're well-read. Uh, and this is another thing that I've preached all my life to Jackson, <laughs> is is read. And it, and it took you a while to well, get on. Well, because I didn't see the connection to what I wanted to do. Right. That, I think that was the biggest turning point. It, it's it is big, uh, you know, because I mean, it, it's tough. Somebody can sit there and preach to you, and I don't know that I preached, but I sure suggested it strongly many times, uh, and then you know tried to be a role model and show you and, and read on my own. But uh, you've now the bugs bitten you. You know that you want to do it for you know a reason to become better and and you know educate yourself. So. Uh, Jackson and I decided to put together a list. So we've got a list of at least 50 books. You'll see some of them on the shelf of them are behind me. Do you want to move out of the way? So you, Which uh, way? This way. Yeah. See, there's even more going all the way down. Yeah. We've got, that's five, well, four sections of this bookshelf totally maxed out, yeah. filled up. So we've got a list that uh, we started of 50 books. And uh, we, we started in earnest about, what, a week or so ago? I would two weeks. This is that we've completed. I think the first week in of both reading the same books, right? Because a week ago, I we both read uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Then, over the weekend, over you, the weekend, you one day, me the next. Or was yeah. it, no, it was no, both, it was both the in the day? same day. Yeah. Last Saturday. So great book. Let's just go ahead and endorse yes. that one. And I will be you happy to come back and and talk more. Yes, it could be read in a day. It could be read in a morning or an afternoon. It could be read in half of a day, I'm yeah. telling you, because there's beautiful pictures in there. So read that, please. And that is the one of the books that I've had one of the most, Those it's one of those experiences where you're like, okay, I see the, the hubbub about reading, and I understand all of my life when somebody has said why you should pick up a book or, you know, What's something. What's the hubbub, bub? 
Well, because until you've had that experience, you're like, oh, so this person is saying, oh, it's so magical and everything. And it's, it, you can't understand until it has right. happened. And different books speak to different people. So Yes. So it might not be Jonathan Livingston's sequel, but it was for me. So I'm, I'm actually I'm just trying to sport the colors that are on the, the cover of the book. Because I love it. <laughs> I did so not much. know that. I didn't know that that's what was the, the Blue wardrobe and uh, choices. And so we, we read that on Saturday, and then right after that, we started. Um, I started 1984 by George Orwell, and you. Started, yeah, I started Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Um, so there. And also, we have incorporated um, reading poem, poetry by. Robert Frost, uh, one Robert Frost poem every day. Yep. Um, and we're both reading the, the same poem every day. And often it's, it's ended up where I read it, you read it you know, on paper, and then one of us will read, it, read it out loud so we can both hear it at the same time. Right. I like that process a lot. And if you're going to read poetry, especially like Robert Frost or any older poetry, I think that is a great way to get somebody else involved you know i know people do book clubs or things but i think with novels it's kind of harder to get a whole group of people completely so interested and i think the book finding a book for you to read needs to be very personal so i don't know that it works great with big novels like if you had a whole friend group read war and peace i don't know how many times that has actually been able to be lined up successfully like a team of people that are all reading at the same time i don't know but poetry I think is actually, I'm realizing with our process, I think it's actually better to, at least older poetry, to be able to understand it well, um, because it's kind of up for more of an interpretation True. to each person. So that's cool to read with somebody else. Yeah. So we got poetry every day, and then now we've been reading a little something else too at the beginning, or somewhere in our day. I've been reading um, Les Brown um Live Your Dreams, and I had started that book before I had really gotten into this kick of reading every single day and really loving reading. I don't think I was fully in love with reading. I was trying, I was forming the love when I first started reading that, but now I'm just, I'm halfway through and I'm reading a, a little bit every day. But that's a book, you know, a book like that, you can, you don't have to Read push it through chunks. like a story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then also you gave me... Um, you don't you can't afford the luxury of a negative thought right so I've, I've been reading a little bit of that every day and then my main reading chunk is the fiction that we're doing and now we've swapped yep so we've just finished yesterday our, our books so now i'm reading weathering heights yep and i'm on 1984 so then we'll be able to discuss as we go along which mm -hmm. is which will be fun i'm excited for that i've only gotten the first page in so there's not much that you haven't started 1984. No, yet, I, right? I haven't started yet. So you know that'll be the, yeah. <laughs> that will be the first thing we'll be doing once we get off of uh, these get out of these seats. Yes. So anyway, the the I got this the love of I just wanted to say if it's cool uh, to talk about the love of reading and also I was, I was just thinking you know you have preached it to me and we are at kind of an exception of, I really, I don't know anybody else that has, um, that, there, that has a, there's like a father and son that have a relationship like us. And even with that, it still took a while for you to really convey 
reading to me. Right. And so I just don't think it, it I'm, I'm not sure that it can be super forced. I think somebody has to, a human has to discover reading through what they're interested in. I don't think you can discover reading. Well, if you have an interest in reading off the bat, then I guess that gets you there. But I almost think that like, for a lot of people, possibly, you have to have an interest in something. You, whatever your interest is, has to then be tied into reading. Well, or I mean, or you find the right book, uh, or you find the right mentor in a teacher. I mean, because that's where most people. I mean, your mother and I read to you uh, yes. as, as a child, and and it was. I mean, I think we at least three books a night. Uh, and and me knowing that that's you know what I wanted to do was to for you to hear these stories and, and hear words and be inspired to read. Uh, but when you get into school, you know, sometimes that can, there can be a negative effect if you don't have the right teacher or they, they try to get you to read something that's not all that great. Uh, it, it can be tough. It can turn you off. Well, the way, when I recall reading in high school, I guess when I recall most things in high school, it makes me feel this way. But when I call reading, recall reading in high school, especially now to compare it to how I feel about it now, Ugh, it's weird. It feel it. It feels dirt, grimy, and dirty, and gross, and disgusting. <laughs> like, what were you reading, man? No, I, I was. I think we read things like crime reading and punishment, girly magazines, and no, we're, locker room. Or we're something. reading, <laughs> we're reading, uh, crime and punishment, and yeah, see, Shakespeare, which, things that are good, but it excellent. was the it was the approach to it that. Sour could be the approach. You could have been just a little too young for that. Well, I don't think the interests connected yet. Right. And also maybe the self-confidence too. Maybe if I would have thought, hey, I can really tackle story. I think I had a vision of myself. I knew I had liked story. I had written that children's book. Right. How old was I when I had done that? Oh, man. I mean, you were like five or six. So I think I've had the inkling, correct? Is that the correct word? Yes. To, to make stories or, no, the inclination. Inclination yeah. to make stories for a long for a long time. But I think in high school, in that period, I thought, I think I knew that I wanted to make feature films and write them. But I think at that period, I thought, oh, well, I'm just in my silly video phase. And right now I'm making silly videos. And well, then one and the day. The same I'll... reason most people just go for what the visual instead of the story is mm -hmm. that's what you were into. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it did. It took, it took just a little more maturity on your part. And then finding out, hey, this is what I want to do, so how can I how can I get my goals accomplished? And then you had some mentors. I mean, you started researching by looking at films, and you came across Stanley Cooper. Yes. And you've read about Stanley Cooper. You went to London, and, and I'm I sure... I read both. his stuff in his archives. Yeah. And, and, and took you, notes. And you took notes. <laughs> Excellent. Unlike you in high school, not taking notes, which me either. I was a terrible note taker. Uh, but nonetheless, you found out that Stanley loved books and read a lot of books. And so his, you're like, his wife described him in an interview as a voracious reader. I think she even said that he read so much that uh, it prevented him from getting a lot of sleep and that possibly the prevention of sleep is what killed him. So death by book reading is, is great. It's a great way to go. But, you know, so that inspiration, you know, led you to go, okay. Let me let me check this out a little bit. My dad was telling me about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, so the, it, but it's still there. So your your efforts weren't in vain. No, definitely correct? not. So and people might think that people, you know, somebody in not the right mind space could parent their kid and for all these years and be like, I don't know what I've done. I've 
told him reading, read, reading, read, and he's gotten to this point. And so yeah, and that's I mean that I would give here I'll give a parenting tip now because I I have been a parent, um, and I, and <laughs> I would say you're qualified since I'm here and I'm not like flipping you off and uh, saying screw you or whatever. I, I don't if somebody failed as a parent, I don't think that their kid would be smiling and be willing to be on a, be podcast, on a podcast with their father. <laughs> yeah, who's I mean it's you know, it's gonna kill your social relevance. So parenting tip. I don't parenting wanna cancel tip. that out. Yeah, I mean not I'm not saying I'm I'm the perfect parent by any means, but I did work at a school for, you know, almost fifteen years. I got to witness a lot of parenting going on. Uh, I, I was privy to, uh, you know, many uh, bad decisions and could see it play out in the parking lot. Uh, and so, you know, being ob- observant, uh, and also I took some some courses on positive parenting and different things. And and my advice would be, if there's something that you want to instill in your, your child, with love for reading, love for music, love for, you know, whatever it might be, uh, is just to model that and and keep on it uh don't preach but just uh you know ex- extol the the virtues of of why it is good why it is something that that would benefit them and at some point in time they will come around and and they will be enlightened and and do it and that's what uh that's what's happened with you so uh yeah that that's my my parenting tip the interests connected. It was like you said, it's Kubrick. I saw this guy. I thought, and this is not. I'm not going to say. I'm certainly not claiming to be the first aspiring filmmaker to say Kubrick is great. I love Kubrick. Right. A lot of people do that, and I've, of course, I've been reminded that time and time again. As much as I talk about Kubrick, yeah, everybody has a Kubrick phase, you know, etc. Okay, but the thing is, I, I'm almost the reason I really hold on to it is because I kind of feel like that a lot of people kind of are focused on the the di- directing side of things right. and people have a Kubrick direction phase and I've seen a lot of people emulate the Kubrick style in terms of cinematography but I think the real reason that Kubrick can't really be emulated is because he read so much and he understood great stories and he clearly had a certain taste of great story and that's why you can't really make a well, you can make uh, another Kubrick film, but you would have to pay attention to both his style and more mainly his eye for story. And I, I, that's what I kind of want to take away from Kubrick. I don't care if I have the cool shots. I don't care about his methods of doing a hundred takes. I don't. Those aren't the things that stick stick out to me. The thing that sticks out to me is his wife saying that he probably died from being a voracious reader. Yeah. That is a pretty big detail, and I haven't heard that talked about by any other person who's talking about Kubrick, and that's my biggest takeaway from him right now. He recommended, uh, he has recommended this, I believe, in an interview. He's on record somewhere saying that E.M. Forrester's aspects of the novel is a book that he really likes. And that book is talking about, that book is talking about novels stories and analyzing them from the greats we actually have a good bit of books on our read to to read list that are recommended in aspects of the novel but it's kind of like a one of these screenwriting books but more in terms of analyzing story for the great works of literature and novel form exactly and also i love in that 
and E.M. Forrester's aspects of the novel, which I, I read that because of his recommendation. And now that's led me into reading more books because it talks about all these legendary classics and I missed like half the book because it's like, well, when this guy uses this technique, and it's like, well, I don't know. I was able to get some of it because he referenced Dickens and I've read Oliver Twist. So I was like, okay, I get it when he's saying that this is Dickens' style because I have a little bit of reference. So Right. So that's also another thing. You, books will just exponentially increase and increase. So if you were to start reading right now and you're not really a big reader, if you think of yourself as not a big reader and you're like, well, I've just read one book over the year, that one book, keep on it because that if you only read one book over the year, that book could then lead you to two books the next year. And then the year after that could be a thousand. Exactly. It, you don't know how it's where it's going to go. Yeah, because if you do a little research, you'll know that maybe that author was inspired by somebody before them. Right. So then you could go back and read that. Or maybe they inspired somebody after them, and you could go forward and read those. Um, so that's that's a great idea. So I'll sum up my point, because I just did a thing that is done long-form podcasting, uh, where you start to bring into something, and then you dive into something. I'll finish my point on Ian e. Forster's aspects of the novel. A thing that I loved in that, talking about pr uh, primalness, was he talks about the group of cavemen sitting around telling stories, and the storyteller among the cavemen, and you know he's got to tell a great story, or else... You know, the well, for one, it motivates the whole crew to do better the next day. So at right. the end of the day, it motivates them to go out and hunt, hunt more, yes. yeah, <laughs> or love each other more, or whatever, or uh, mate more. You know, who knows? <laughs> well, it's important back then, you know, you got to get the numbers up so now there's enough people to right. produce cameras and everything. Yeah. Um, but it's a little more numbers game than, uh, but. He talks about the cavemen sitting around the fire, uh, and I think he says, you know, big jaws agaped, you know, in sh shock of great stories. Right. And if not, then they are killing the storyteller, whacking him over the head with a bone, 2001, a Space Odyssey style. Exactly. So nowadays you can make a bad story and, and just, you know, maybe not be you're, able to make another film, and that's the, the worst of it. Or if you're Back like Wes Anderson, you you've got a style, then you can continue, you can still continue and work with great people. Yes. Like, yeah. Back then... You're, you're clubbed over yes, the head. Yes. You got clubbed. That was the, the scary thing. Yeah. Well, year, years ago, and you know, the, there's the, the joke people on stage telling, you know, telling jokes or whatever, and if they they don't do well, they're, they're, people throw tomatoes at them. And, <laughs> You know, that's, that's tomatoes much more forgiving. Right, right. Or, you know, or they're jerked off stage and thrown out the back door, but clubbed over the head. Sorry, bad story, buddy. No, wait. Hang on. Let me change the ending. <laughs> that's you've got that's you've got to know it before yeah. you go to the fire yeah you don't. can't get everybody's attention up at the fire yeah until you have got that ending that's it that's, and that's what's happening you know i think in filming it's like yeah, hey, it's hey, like, hey i gotta yes i gotta film i gotta film let me come and make it yeah okay all right yeah okay here's your money let's make it all right it's almost like all the great camera angles and everything you know? is them putting the sticks in the fire they're like hey come gather around my fire look i'm making it real big and yeah. it's a real nice fire look at me. all right yeah look at me dancing around the fire my best loincloth on yes. check me out <laughs> yeah a bright red loincloth velvet go for it you're like <laughs> all right once upon a time you don't want to be uh, improving as the uh, campfire storyteller. Ned went to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your uh, realistic uh, Tarantino dialogue is not going to get you too far. Right there, uh, cheese royale, royale with cheese. That's what they call hamburgers in France. That's right. Then what? Then what? 
uh, <laughs> ugh. Yeah, there he goes. He's out. So I, I love thinking about that. And I'd like to think that that is, you know, our ancestors way back in time. You know, they were, that's the, the, the humans as we're around the campfire. And I'd like to think that they, they didn't get clubbed because we're, we're here unless yeah. they got clubbed and crawled out of it. Right. And still managed to. If, yeah, if you crawled out of it, then you learned a lesson. So. Yes. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here on this podcast. It's to learn lessons. It's kind of and selfish. Get clubbed. Yeah. So club us if you'd like. If we don't tell a good story eventually, <laughs> but give us to at least episode one hundred. Yes. It's, yeah, and that's the thing about the podcast is we we don't have to have our story. Sco- this is like I said. This is more about the pursuit of story. We don't have to see. We're doing this now. We're not going and investing everything we have and all of our equipment to go put this on the big screen. Right. We're not taking we're not saying, "Hey, look at us. We got the we're around the fire. Look, we got something to tell you." We're waiting for that moment to till we can really deliver the most impactful punch. So so we're going on the journey and uh you're going with us. And and that's kind of part of our philosophy, isn't it? The journey. It's all about the journey. Yes. It's not the destination. And and it's I think that's important philosophy to get to the destination. Like I don't think if you really like I think that that is an important part of well not the destination but being a good storyteller, being a good writer, and being if you really I mean it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing, let alone to be a good director. It's not an easy thing, let alone to have good technical st- skills and make something look consistently good. I mean. I know I will rag on Wes Anderson for story, but still, what he does is is by no means easy. Doing something oh, stop gosh, motion no. is is not easy, and even with that, you have to have an incredible amount of positivity right. and motivation if you want to continually do it. Maybe if you're in some really depressed state, you can somehow get it done. But then by the next one, you're you know you're having a really hard time, and so you you need to be totally you know your body needs to be up on it. it's like putting in the best things before a, a workout or you know if you just went and ate a bunch of taco bell and chugged a bunch of baja blast mountain dew and you go and work out you're gonna throw up everywhere and you're gonna have a terrible workout you need and that's so let me make the analogy a little bit more clear the workout is making the the film or the story and you need to fuel in i'm now i guess i'm talking about we were talking about the journey, but I'm talking about positivity. Okay. Because focusing on the journey is, in a sense, part of this po- positivity and staying positive. Right. It's k- keeping this mindset sharp. We need to remember our mindset and be thinking about it and making sure it's sharp. Remember, hey, we need to be focused on the journey. We need to be focused on right now because this is what we're doing. And if we focus on a destination, we're going to get off track. We're going to, you know. No. No? No. You gotta have the destination. Well, that, that's you, what keeps you on track. But you're got, setting sail for destination. Okay. But you've got to appreciate. Yes. Enjoy the journey. That's where I was going with this. Was okay. And, and that's what I think. Uh, you know, we had talked about filmmakers. How once they finish a film, they're ready to go on to the next right. one. And that's what where I was going with that. Okay. Yes. I, I mean, I, I think. And if you look at my notes, we were talking about the the car. You know, got to fill it up. You got to pack it up. All right. You want to read this? No, you can't. I, I don't have my glasses on. Okay, <clears throat> so this is saying that preparing preparing is important 
but so is action. You can't wait for all the lights to be green before you head out. You can't wait for the weather to be sunny across the whole ocean before setting sail. Yes, pack the car and fill up the tank and check the map, but head out. Pick your crew. Load the ship with supplies and log your itinerary, but cast away. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that that analogy or, or those statements were just to talk about how we're starting starting this podcast, episode one, um, and, and just going for it, uh, and not uh, not waiting around and you know worrying about it and fretting about it and worrying about the cameras and worrying about this and that and. This is not the table that we ordered. It hasn't come in yet, so we're just going to use this one until the new one comes in, and maybe we'll use it. But whatever, we got going, and that's what those analogies are are for. Um, but you know, I, I, you you have to have a destination. I'm very I'm very uh, adamant about setting goals uh, because if you go out onto the ocean without a destination, then the wind's just going to blow you all over the place. So you got to you got to set your goal. And you got to go for it. And I mean, that's what, you know, good filmmakers do. They set a goal and they, you know, that roadmap is their script and their story and they go for it. But my, my uh, point was about journey was just that, you know, enjoy every day, enjoy the journey, enjoy while you're here. And most filmmakers do that. They love every bit of the process and they go, go through it. And then when they finish, uh, and you talk about this with Kubrick, that he was ready to go on to the next thing. You know, yes, go and attend the premiere and and take the accolades if there are any to be had, and then go. Thank you very much. Tomorrow morning, I'm starting my next film, or I'm starting to read again to figure out my next film. Right. There's only two, like two, good audio interviews with Kubrick. I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because he didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about the film that just came out. Right. He needed his time, every little bit of it to find his next story and i can also tell that it, it agitated him if he wasn't on that next voyage right and you that that's such a common thing you see uh, across all filmmakers in interviews it's a, yeah it's a personality type i guess is the, the, the interviewer is always like all right well you feel great now i i've heard that question so many times charlie rose has probably said it so many times too and because uh, he's interviewed so many great filmmakers and I, it's all on YouTube, and that's I spent a lot of time on YouTube before I spent started realizing I, my time is better spent on reading. But at least I did spend about the last time that I spent a lot of time on YouTube. I was watching these director interviews, and that's the thing. They're always like, no, we're focusing on the next one. We're writing the script for the next one. We're doing pre-production for the next one. Whatever it is, they're already they're already into it. Well, it's it's tough, you know. I'll just say this from the one film that I did make uh, or any project, and you know this editing, uh, you spend so much time on it. I mean, every little detail. And by the time you get finished making the film and the editing and everything, you've seen it so many times. And then you have to go and, you know, if you're a big Hollywood success, then you're going on these interviews and talk shows and everything. And then you're talking about the same film. You're ready to get on to the next project. But, you know, you, you have to do it. So... That's why if you ever watch any of those interviews and you see the directors and they just don't look too enthusiastic. No, that, I think there's a, a thing. <laughs> I've, just, I've, I've noticed that in all of them. They're like, man, I am done. I have seen that. Because thing. if they were going to, probably the, the ideal state to hit them with that interview is like right as they've just discovered the story for it. Yeah. Is probably when they would be the most excited about it because that's when they have to rally everyone up to make the dang thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's almost like if you're going to get the interview, get it out on like the first day 
uh, of filming. But I do think now that we've noticed that, hopefully I could at least work on that. So if we ever find ourselves in an interview state, because the people still haven't seen the film. So it's, if you can control, if you can get past the, the post film blues, then I would like to personally, that's first, first, I want to tell a good story. Second, if I get on an interview, I want to wow them with my smile. Give a good, <laughs> give a good interview. The, the, everything in between there can be okay. Well, I've always enjoyed talking about my project because I learned so much from it, and I think you know it's kind of one of my philosophies of life. If if you're in a situation, figure out how to learn something from it. Uh, you know, I, I preached that to you when you were in school. You know, you're like you didn't want to go to math class or you didn't want to go to this, and it's like. Well, you know, learn something about it. I think I did learn something that that system was not the right system for education. Whatever it is, I can't tell you what to learn, but learn something because you're spending your time there, so you might as well. So I, I enjoy sharing those lessons that I learned from from making my feature film, and uh, I'll share them, you know, anytime you want to hear about it, and I'll do it with enthusiasm. I, I, it's never going to be old for me, so I don't think I'll have a problem with the interview. Well. I do want to actually, I was just thinking of a funny experience, but I want to ask you about that. But I actually, I want to say one more thing about the voyage and we can come back to the voyage and more, but I just like the idea of comparing it to somebody who is going on this ship, you know, 1800s set sail voyage to go discover a new land, a new country or something, or a new continent. I feel like that's what it is, is we were comparing it to. That it's, yeah. it's like, so if you've already, and you're, you're not the colonists, you're not the person colonizing these places. You're not the person who's supposed to set up shop there. You're just the person who's, you have your map and your compass and everything, and you are in charge of finding a new piece of land that has supposedly never been found before. And sending word back. Yes. Here it is. It's beautiful. It, right. Calm down. Right. And then from there, you know, your instinct is to then, I don't think that, this is really, I mean, with the, there's only so many continents or whatever, uh, but it's like a, vo- a person who then, all right, I'm ready to go discover the, the new, the next piece of land. Yeah. I'm, and a completely new one. Oh, I've, well, I've already seen America. All right. I want to go see whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's what drives me. I love it. I love the, like I said, the process of seed of an idea, building into this final product that goes up on the screen. Dodging icebergs. Right, right. I mean, yeah, because there's so many obstacles. You know, making a movie is is story. There's a story there. You're you're the protagonist. You have to overcome obstacles, and you know, and the climax is getting it on the on the screen. So every time you make a film, there's a mini story. Um, That's why behind the scenes videos can sometimes be more interesting than the actual films that were they're made about. Exactly. Exactly. I've watched behind the scenes videos for movies I did not like, and I liked behind, and I enjoyed watching the behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And that's also why there's so many movies about the movie making process. Well, maybe that's not the sole reason why, but it's, you know, it is a very easily understandable story. That's a great ending, a satisfying ending. Oh, your protagonist got their thing on the screen, and everybody loved it. Right. And they were happy with it. Yeah. Hopefully. If you have a good story. And that's, I've, well, well, let me ask you a question about your experience. Um, 
about one of your many filmmaking experiences. I, I was thinking how you said you love all, uh, building things as well. Right. And we were just talking about this the other day, uh, that you were building, you built all the sets for your first film. Yes. And there's some great pictures of it, no, too. Not necessarily because I loved building, but because well, it was, was low budget. necessity. But you enjoyed it. Oh, You enjoyed the journey. Oh, gosh, yes. I, th- so it was a low-budget film, and I was the director, and myself and the lead actor built all the sets because it was low-budget. Do you want to disclose the budget, though? Uh, sure, I can. Okay, tell them the budget. So... This is 1989 dollars. Uh, <laughs> no, it's the year is 1989. That's what they they say that though. That's a term. Really? In 1989 dollars. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. So like a million dollars in 1920 would be like. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. I thought you were yeah. making a joke saying, "Oh, 1989. That's the." I see. Okay. Yeah. So it, yes. So factor money, in money printed in 1989. Factor no. in you're making an. Independent film, yeah, low budget film, low in budget 1989. Film. Yeah, yeah. So um, three hundred thousand was the budget. Okay, because I've talked to people about your film, and I tell them low budget, and they their their mind is in what low budget is now, or they think it's something that because every time I've told them, I've also told them the time, but when I tell people, maybe it's just younger people that I'm talking to, but when I tell them three hundred thousand, I mean, I told people that are into film, and they've been like, whoa, 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 you know, that's or do they think that's a lot? Yeah, that they, they think that was more. because because nowadays three hundred three hundred thousand you could easily get you know some really inexpensive cameras. So we used Panavision cameras. The, the the largest part of our budget went for camera rental, film stock, and film processing. So it was shot on thirty five millimeter film, where today you're on digital and it's just you know it's not that much money. Uh, to get a great look, but it took us a lot of money just in the camera equipment, and everything, the lights, tons of lights to get the you know the look that we needed. But yeah, I mean, so back then, three hundred thousand was really low. You couldn't, you know, a million was a low budget. Yes, you know now nowadays for Hollywood, uh, and we were going for thirty-five millimeter feature-length film. You know, uh, twenty thousand is a low budget. Mm-hmm. Ten thousand, or excuse me. 20 million or 10 million is a low budget. So, yeah. So anyway, $300,000. Um, and, and the lead actor and I built all the sets. Uh, and, and we would always say that that was some of the most fun times were, were the nights that we spent in the uh, abandoned Winn-Dixie where we built our studio and our sets, uh, having a great time listening to you know, crazy music and uh, dropping hammers on our toes and, you know. Well, I, I wanted to actually ask you about the story of whether we dropped something more than a hammer onto something more than a toe. Oh, well, yeah. So <laughs> the, the maybe a little bit of a lesson to independent the risk, filmmakers yeah, of the today. Risk, the risk of having your lead actor uh, helping you build the sets is when, you know, the director who's, you know, not the best set builder of all is on the ladder above <laughs> the actor holding a giant metal C clamp and dropping it, you know, probably four feet down onto the bridge of his nose and thinking, I have just broken my lead actor's nose weeks before we start filming. Luckily it, it didn't. He had a good strong nose. 
nowadays you don't need that from actors because you could drop as many things as you want and if you're well if you're working on like a marvel movie they can just cgi in the everybody else's face yeah yeah they could completely cg you know you can stand off the side and they'll just put in a full model or you know in the case of superman supposedly they had cgi'd his mustache away so i'm sure they could easily cgi out a completely if you lost your nose entirely you would they could put it in, yeah. make it bigger if they wanted to. It cost a little bit more than three hundred thousand, probably. Oh well, yeah, it'd be three hundred thousand dollars for the, just, the nose. Yes, all yeah. the the teams of nose builders. That's right. So, there you go. For independent filmmakers of today, whatever your budget is, just any sort of filmmaker, I would not let your actor be downwind of heavy equipment. <laughs> downwind, it's true. Just be careful there. Even so, yeah, we have just chased a rabbit way off the path. Really? I don't know. I mean, it's great. I mean, Isn't that podcasting? It is. It's it's all about the journey. So, have we answered all of our questions that we laid before us? Why podcasting? Why what? we we pretty much said why filmmaking? Yeah, and definitely talked about story. Yeah, we definitely talked about story. Uh, the only other question is regarding Atlanta. I mean, we kind of talked about that, right? Yeah, I guess we did. You you got here by doing your internship. Um, I know people in the business. I've lived in L.A. before. wasn't excited about going back there. Atlanta has just as much production, if not more, than L.A. and New York. Um, not as I, What I've heard is not as much writing, though. It seems that more of the writers are either in New York or L.A., so let's change that. Exactly. exactly. Uh, no, that makes me excited. Yeah. That so makes me very excited. Less competition. Uh, no, I would rather there's more people telling good stories uh, than no, less. I, agree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for, well, that's why we're sharing this because we want more good stories. We're not trying to compete and, and, and cancel right. out the competition. Yeah, if, if you get a good story, then, and I can help you make it, then we do that. Or if I get it, you know, or if we both get a good story for between the two of us, then that's great. Just yeah. whatever we can do to get the best stories. Yeah, I've, and I've always been that way. Yes. I don't want to hide secrets. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess we talked about that I was in music for a while, and that was always something that other bands were always really jealous of other bands in the town, and they didn't want to help them out. And I, I just disagreed with that. I was like, no, if we all help each other out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the scene better. And I remember, and this is something I, I talk about a lot, is um, Sub Pop uh, was a label in Seattle and in the 90s that the whole grunge genre came out of that little scene. And what was going on was, you know, music labels were in L.A. and to get a deal, you had to go to L.A., you know, and put your band in a showcase and try to get a record deal from a label. And they had tried this several times. They would take some of the bands down. They would go and try to get, you know, a showcase. But when they would get there, their music was so different, and the audience really didn't understand it. So, you know, you kind of, I think it was the time where, you know, hair bands and, and hard, heavy metal rock and roll was popular, and grunge was totally different. And, uh, you know, so they, the audience just didn't understand it, so they didn't come across well. So the, the people with the record labels were like, well, the audience is not digging this. But the guys uh, in the bands from Seattle knew that they were had a great local audience. So they said, let's bring the labels up here. 
and, and let them see us play in our club on our turf. And so they all rallied around it, all the bands that, you know, and they all hit at the same time, uh, thanks to this one guy uh, that started the sub pop label. And I've just always thought about that. It's like, I, I want more good stories. So if I learn something about story and I can share it and it, and it helps somebody else create a great story, then awesome. I'm tired of watching not good stories. That's also why I, I like having this pro story podcast because the whole idea is we'll be the first to tell, like if I have a realization tomorrow, then it's going on exactly on the next podcast or we're cutting it into this podcast right at the beginning. Here's the announcement. I figured guess out a story. What? Yeah. Guess what? And, yeah. and if I find an easy way, and also this is an easier way to, to talk about it than um, writing it into a book this quicker way to get it out there and then if i do say hey i did figure out the secret of the story but i the part of the secret is i can't talk i can't explain it thoroughly enough in a podcast so i'm writing a book right now and i will tell you the soonest i finish it but anyway so that's a good way to have the podcast too yeah. and i think this is a great way to end this podcast yeah uh is is that uh we're here to share what we learn and and, and you know give that information to help educate other people and make it just a better landscape for stories out there. Well, let's make this hot Lana into story Lanta. Yeah. You're going to need to work on that one. That's what it's all about. That's what the, we're re- We're here to work. That's what it is. If I can be honest, you trust me. Yeah. Work on that. We're on the, gro- we're getting in the growth mindset S- story Atlanta. I, I want to do something wrong so that way I can't gr- grow from it it's true it's the only way you can grow is to so shall we end it off with some motivating words let's let's do it from the best man himself that's right les brown because you got to have a passion you got to have a dream and and we have and fortunately enough we have our dream very fortunate i'm so thankful to have this dream i'm so thankful to have a passion and so the next step from there is using it. Yeah, yeah. And so if you've been given the insanely lucky gift of having the dream, you have to execute it. That's the only way to really show thanks for the fact that you've been given it, and that you've found it, Yeah, is you have to... And just the title, live your dreams, not reach your dream, live your dreams. That means your entire life. That means everything about your life. So this next thing will explain more of that will will explain yeah. living it. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. If you want that thing bad, bad enough to, to go out and fight, fight for it, it, to work, work day, day and night for it, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for it, if all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, if you'll gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it, and, and lose all your terror for the opposition for it. If you, you simply go after that thing you want with all of your capacity, strength, and sagacity, faith, hope, and confidence, and stern pertinacity, pertinacity, pertinacity. If neither cold, poverty, 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 famine, nor gout. Sickness nor pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want. If dogged and grim, you beseech it and beset it. With the help of God, you'll get it. Go for it. Almost. You will get it. That's right. You. Love that. 
I almost had it completely memorized. Growth. We can do a next one if we want, and we can do it the next one until it's yeah, yeah. absolutely seamless. I, right. I, I'm so happy. I'm happy too. I hope and you're happy. We hope you're happy. Have the happiest get it. day. Yeah. I'm Hewins. And I'm fortunate enough to be Sun. <laughs>